This is the Going in Circles podcast, hosted by Horseman Chuck Simon. To become a sponsor, to suggest topics, or for questions, email goingincirclespodcast at gmail.com. And log on to our Facebook page, Going in Circles Podcast. Here's your host, Chuck Simon. Welcome to Big Monday, Ongoing in Circles. My co-host Barry Spears will be with us momentarily. A lot's happened in our world since our last show, last Tuesday. And to be honest, I'm sick of talking about it. I'm sick of the people being mean to each other. And I'm sick of politics. I'm sick of people who are obsessed with it. And I don't care what you think. I don't care who you're voting for. We're going to be positive today. Didn't sound like it, but we're going to be positive. It's going to be positive week because it's Derby week and Oaks week. And it's weird because it's really, really hot in a lot of places. Though I heard Saratoga is getting to be uh, cool. So fall is arriving And we still don't have a Kentucky Derby. But after Saturday, we will. We will have a Derby winner. And we'll be on to the third leg of the Triple Crown, the Preakness, in a month. It's all so bizarre. But there's been so much bad news and so many negative issues. And and I'm not talking about the announcement that was made today at Keeneland, I just, I've talked about it for a hundred years, half the people don't want to know, half the people don't understand, it's just, uh, it's a time, the time to talk about that will, will be in the future, but this week, we're going to say positive, despite all the negative that surrounds us, and we had a couple people just today that passed away that um, I can't say that I was close friends with these people, but they're people, they're racetrack people. Charlie Carey was a, was a trainer for a long time. He came out of New England and um, all up and down the East Coast. He's been uh, a trainer or an assistant for, for so many different guys and so many different people that uh, he's been in contact with or friends with him. That uh, he, he was a race tracker, was race tracker, and uh, he had cancer and he didn't find out until it was too late. And uh, I had heard recently that he was sick and we learned today that, that he has passed away. I don't exactly know how old he was. I'm going to guess late 50s, early 60s. And um, it's, it's, it's sad when that happens. Because, uh, you know, you're, you're, you're just... Um, your mortality shows when people that you've known for a long, long time. And the, the, when they pass. And, and even if... Uh, even if you're not best friends or, 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 you know, really tight with someone, 
you know them, you say hello to them, you've seen them a thousand times on the track, and it's, um, it, it's, it's, uh, it sucks, I mean, there's no other way of putting it, um, this morning we heard about the passing of the legendary basketball coach John Thompson, who was part of my, my teenage years, John Thompson was a huge figure, basketball was a huge thing to me, basketball and horse racing, those were the things that mattered to me then. They kind of still matter to me now. John Thompson was a was a was a a giant man who who had a, a an enormous impact on so many people, and he he was a great coach and an outspoken person who you could respect even if you weren't always in agreement with what he was saying. You respected his view, which is something that's missing these days. It's just. A sad thing, and, and and he was seventy eight years old, and and honestly, uh, I don't know if he had been sick or or not, but um, uh, it, it's it's sad to see that. And I had heard this morning that Duro Maximovich died, and virtually none of you have ever heard of him. And honestly, I didn't even know what his first name was, and I've probably known him for 20 years. He was a groom. And he was a really interesting guy. He came over from uh, somewhere in Eastern Europe um, and had a, a, a scholarship to one of the Boston universities. And he was... Um, he had a Fulbright scholarship to study art at BU. And he wound up at the racetrack. <laughs> and like so many of us, the allure of the track, the horses, the action, the, the scene, he never left. He worked for a lot of, a lot of uh, famous or semi-famous or trainers you've heard of. He started out in New England, Ed Allard, Donald Winfrey, Steve Penrod, Paul McGee, Bill Mott, and his final boss was a guy named Mike Tomlinson, who's a, a great guy, who's a longtime trainer, and uh, who actually was down here in Florida this winter. Mike's a super guy, and and Max was 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 one of those guys that um, he loved the game, he loved the bet, he loved his horses, and. And uh, he died of COVID. He got sick a few weeks ago. and He was 72. And it's funny because sometimes the racetrack, it, it takes a lot out of you. The, the hours, the pressure, the seven day a week in the cold, in the, in the heat, in the rain, in the mud, in the snow. And you can see it on the faces of some people. And then there's guys like Max, who looked like he was 45 years old, fit, strong, belied his age, but he's gone now. And... Um, I think people these days need to take a step back a lot and, and look at the good things that they have in their life.
and the positives and, and the things that really matter, their family, their friends, their kids. That's important. Politics are bullshit. Stop. Even racing politics. In the end, there's a lot of talk. There's very little action. And our own lives are rarely affected to a great degree by any of it. But we're going to be positive. Tomorrow on Going in Circles Live, we've got a few guests lined up already. We're, we have uh, Bob Duncan, who was the longtime starter at Naira, who's going to talk to us about uh, the new starting gate. He's got some familiarity with the new 20-horse starting gate that's going to be used for the Derby uh, for the first time. And it's unique quirks and, and different uh, different aspects. Looks like an 18-horse field for the Derby. Some hopeless horse was entered today or going to be entered for tomorrow. So, But we're going to talk to Bob about that and uh, just about some, some things from a starter's point of view. I, I see a lot of things on Twitter about people at the gate and and some of the things are just... Uh, I'd just like to get Bob here to talk about it. People have no idea sometimes how strong horses are, and they think that horses can be manipulated a little bit easier than they actually can. But he'll be a guest tomorrow. We're going to have Kerry Thomas and Pete Denk, who are at this moment and probably have been for a few days or a week or so, uh, probably will be next few days working on their motion patterns of motion uh, analysis of the Derby, kind of a using Kerry's herding technique to, to individualize each horse in the derby and their behavioral issues and and who Kerry thinks will benefit from, or maybe not benefit, but be able to handle the big field and, and the chaos of a 17-18 of a horse field and who might not. And they've been pretty good at predicting... Um, horses who who will do well and who who won't do well so we'll have them on tomorrow uh i have a f- working on a clocker i have a few trainers um we'll, we'll have quite a quite a bit of uh quite a bit of action on tomorrow's show but tonight we're going to talk about the derby and barry and i are going to look at each horse and kind of break it down a little bit and maybe even talk about um some of the derbies of the past and uh, some of people's memories, that uh, stories that, that I've heard. and um, The Derby is, is that one race that, uh, for a lot of people, it was the first race that they remember. And uh, I think it's the first race I remember. So we'll, we'll talk about that and, uh, and a lot more. And Barry's got uh, some pretty good insight into most of these horses. And we've had a pretty good idea of who's going to run for a while. And uh, it does look like a top-heavy field, but most years it looks like a top-heavy field. So we'll be back with Barry in just a minute. All right, we're back, going in circles, big Monday show. My co-host, Mr. Barry Spears, is here. Barry, how are you? Hanging in there. You know, it was a crazy weekend. A lot of things negatively happened in the world over the weekend, but, uh, you know, at least I'm here on Monday to tell about it. True. 
We have a derby, and we have 10 cent supers on the derby this year. Yeah, that would be interesting. You know, the, <laughs> for years and years, they told us we couldn't have 10 cent supers because it would hold the lines up at the derby too long. Which, if you've ever attended the derby, you know the lines are long anyway. <laughs> right. So, so it was. Uh, I I like it. I, I think it's uh, if it's the one race. Um, that we run in this country that strange things can happen and you're dealing with a massive pool and, and a lot of long shots and um, it's uh, I like it <laughs> I mean it's a top heavy kind of derby but if you get some of the favorites out of there you, you could see a, a, a massive score in that, that bet and how things may or may not shape up with post positions and, and whatnot. Um, it it kind of reminds me of, of uh, the California Chrome year, in a sense. Except uh, I don't think Tis the Law is going to be 5-2 to two <laughs> at post time. No, I, I don't either. It's uh, he, he's, I think he's going to be right around even money. That seems to be the consensus. I know some people have them a tick over, some people have them a tick under, but I think I think right around even money. Uh, with uh, I guess it's going to be an eighteen horse field. Uh, this afternoon they made an announcement that some hopeless horse of uh, of uh, Brett Calhoun's is going in there, and Brett said the owner has derby fever. So that tells you everything you need to know. That exactly. That's. Uh, that probably is not his first choice. He'd probably try to rather win a race, but but they'll be in there, and um, I don't even remember the horse's name, but it doesn't matter. Uh, the only reason, I, the only way he'll be on a ticket is if I somehow use an all somewhere. Um, you know, going through the field, there are some pretty good horses, and it's interesting that even though the Derby is. Uh, five months or four months um, postponed and I understand that, that some of the preps uh, the early season preps were were put were put back um, we we have quite a few horses who who were um, maybe thought about as contenders in some way shape or form that are still amazingly lightly raced when you look at uh, Honor AP has five starts spaced out over a year. You have Authentic, who has five starts since last November. Uh, you have uh, King Guillermo, who has five starts and has not run since May 2nd. You have Max Player, who has five starts. And, I mean, we're, we're talking about September of a horse's three-year-old year. And it's... It's kind of, I guess, it's it's just the way racing is these days. But um, even a horse like Tis the Law, we've seen him campaign pretty regularly outside of the the COVID gap there we had from the Florida Derby to the Belmont. But even he only has seven starts. And it's... Um, it's just, uh, I guess that's just a, a sign of the times that um, so many horses, even with um, all this time off, 
uh, still just don't have that many starts. Yeah, I, I was thinking the same thing. I, I don't, you know, I really didn't think uh, that these horses would have very many starts anyway going into this derby, despite, you know, all the time between. I mean, like you said, there was the, the COVID layoff um, where a lot of tracks weren't running um, and there was really nothing going on. All of, everything got kind of postponed. Um, our collector has has nine starts, um, which in this field is, is highly experienced. Yeah, um, exactly. New York traffic has nine, uh, in you know there's a, there's a couple others with nine. And Necker Island has ten, but uh, Storm the Court has nine, and and you know that those are kind of the only ones of note. Um, <clears throat> but, let me let me ask you, you about know, Storm the Court. What is he doing here? I don't know. I mean, the horse clearly, in my opinion, is not fast enough to run with these horses. I mean, you know, I, I, I've said this online on Twitter many times that that British Cup juvenile that he won may have been the weakest one I've ever seen. It, um, it, it was not It was not strong, and the... Um... The horses that have come out of it ha haven't really done a whole lot, including him. Correct. Uh, I mean, he really hasn't run a good race this year. His last race was arguably his best race, and that was on the grass. I <laughs> yeah, just, uh, I, 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 and I mean, he's by Court Vision, and Court Vision was really best at a mile. Um, I was really surprised that. After running him on the grass where he ran uh, uh, so well, I, I figured that maybe that would be his future, keeping him on the turf. But I, I, I really didn't see, uh, and I, di I didn't see it. They, I mean, they've taken blinkers off of him. They've tried him on the grass. Uh, it seems as though, I mean, his his Arkansas Derby was terrible, and he came back in the Ohio Derby and he made a nice little move on the outside, but then he kind of flattened out. Um, I just don't get it. I'm not. Uh, I don't understand his the logic there. Um, Necker Island. Uh, every year there's a couple horses like Necker Island, kind of a Cinderella story. But he's never run a race remotely good enough to win this race. And uh, no, he's 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 not the fastest horse. I mean, if if at all, he's he's probably a horse that you could probably use at the bottom of tries and supers um you know i have a real fond respect for for the ownership and, and greg harbert um you know of harbert bloodstock and you know I'm, I'm glad they they got to this point with this horse but he, he's kind of overmatched here in my opinion um but he does like to pick up the pieces so there, it, it's not completely out of the question that you know he may jump up a few points on the buyer scale and, and, and kind of run run a, a decent one, you know, picking up horses late and, and getting in some uh, some exotics. Yeah, need another one. If I use him, it'll be with an all. Um, my friend Greg Foley's got Major Fed in there, and Major Fed is, is just a strictly a one-run closer, and a lot of times people think that that type of horse can have some success in 
um, in a race like the Derby, uh, especially going a mile and a quarter. But he really has to uh, he really has to pick it up. Um, I mean, his Indiana Derby was was okay, got in a little traffic, but horses like he him. Kind of reminds me actually of uh, Commanding Turf years back. Um, that that kind of got in the. I think he ran second, right? Yeah. Second mm-hmm. Yeah, and, like ninety to one. That's the kind of horse he looks like, and that's provided. I mean, actually, Commanding Curve's resume was was a lot better um, coming into the Derby, but he has that kind of feel to him. If if, if that's what he's going to do, that's that's probably you know going to pick off people late and just you know run by a bunch of tired horses. Yeah, you know, he's a homebred. He, he's Louisville people. Uh, Greg Foley's trained at Churchill forever, and uh, I root for him, but I don't know that I'll be betting on him. I mean, his horse has gotten in trouble a lot, but horses with his style tend to get in trouble, and in an 18-horse field, um, it's tough to, to, to not get in trouble somewhere, some you know, at some point. Uh, Finnick the Fierce is another one I don't... I don't know what they're thinking of. Um, He's patched part two. That's, yeah. That's um, really his deal. I don't really know why, wh- what was encouraging to them to think that the Derby would be a good spot, but um, I know he's been training well, but you can train as well as you want. Um, you still have to be good enough, and he just doesn't look like he's good enough. Yeah, Sol I, Valente I, is kind I of an. Can't see Finnick the Fierce winning. See I can't see him winning at. Yeah, I, I did. Yeah, 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 yeah. That was that was kind of bad. That really was. This I is know. this is positive yeah. week, Barry. That 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 that's, that's that that was that that was that was a bad joke. That was a bad joke. <laughs> a bad bad joke. Listen, right? man, we can't make fun of the handicapped. I'm sorry. I apologize, Finnick the Fierce. You're my man. Yeah, Patch would be rolling over in his grave. Well, <laughs> if he were dead. <laughs> I'm pretty sure he's still alive. Oh, my friend Patrick Biancone with Sol Valente. Uh, seems... Interesting horse. Uh, if the race is is switched to the turf, I love him. <laughs> you know, if they did a turf paradise, it was one of the craziest things. I, I was at turf paradise when I was out at University of Arizona. And every once in a while, we'd sneak up to Turf Paradise and uh, take in some of the wondrous sights of five claimers. Back then, the track was wicked fast. You, oh you could, you, you'd see five claimers running 109 and 3. <laughs> but um, because of the, the surface and, and the, the climate, you'd get these torrential rain pours uh, in the spring and in the fall, and um, you know, when turf runs. And... We were there one day, and they had a, a huge, huge storm, and uh, the races were moved from the dirt to the turf, because the turf actually drained relatively fast, but the dirt had actual washouts where the track had, had washed out. It, it had rained so hard, and uh, there was nothing like seeing $3,500 claimers going a mile and a sixteenth on the turf. <laughs> but um yeah, but that would be uh, the rare occasion where they, they moved the, the race to the turf. And in case the Kentucky Derby is moved to the turf, I would think that Sol Valente would be, um, he would be my choice. But uh, I just worry that he just, um, 
I, and I know Patrick thinks that he ran them back way too quick last time, that uh, he over, um, he kind of overdid it. it. You know, he, he'd run an allowance race down here at Gulfstream and, and, and ran really impressively and then wheeled back in, uh, I think, nine days to the Belmont. And between that and the shipping and, <laughs> and tis the law, he uh, he really didn't uh, didn't perform, but he, he's trained really well here, uh, albeit on the grass. And he does that a lot with horses, but um, he, he's another horse that's going to have to get a decent trip just to get uh, on the board somewhere. And it's tough to, you know you're going to be in trouble at some point. You know that. And, the, you know, Luca Panici um, isn't, familiar with riding in the derby and he he's gonna be a I mean he's 50 to one morning line but still uh horses with with traffic trouble that may not quite be good enough anyways those are those are tough to take um well I mean you know just looking at him you know from a, a different point of view if you want to believe that you know the 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 notion that being cone ran him back too quick off ten days in June. Um, you can forgive that Belmont, um, and he doesn't look all that bad. But like you were saying, being a pretty much a, a dead closer, um, he's going to have a tough time bobbing and weaving through the through the pack there to to you know and just basically getting lucky not to be stopped in all that madness um, because it doesn't look like he has gears. <laughs> so, you know, he, he's a tough take, um, you know, but if, if you like him, I can understand why you think he might hit the board, let's say. Um, I, I, I mean, he, he doesn't have to, off his best races, he doesn't have to jump up way too far, but he also has to get the perfect trip, and I, I just don't think that's, you know, um, as far as a percentage wise, something that's really going to happen. Yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, I mean, he's, listen, his price is going to be good, so he might be okay underneath, um, winning impression. I, 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 I keep, I still, am, I'm, <laughs> he was 70 to one in the Ellis Park Derby. I mean, I don't know. I know West Point owns him, and West Point, uh, likes, to be in big races as a promotional tool and they're the, the way they promote themselves and it's smart um isn't just as a horse racing partnership it's a quote-unquote lifestyle deal and i guess part of the lifestyle is running 151 shots in the derby um that's that's about all i have to say about him um all right now moving on to moving on to horses that uh that might actually have a a decent shot of of doing something um we'll start with uh attachment rate who is uh a hard spun um cult by out of a, a fleet alex mare that um I'm skeptical that he'll get a mile and a quarter. Uh, I think uh, a mile and an eighth might be his... Might be about the best he wants to do. I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong, but... No, I, I kind of agree there. And, and he's another one that's that's probably going to have to work out a, a trip from behind. 
um, which, you know, at least in recent years, hasn't been the way to go. Most of the horses have been up near near the pace, not not more than, let's say, eight lengths off the lead at, at any point. So it's, it's <clears throat> you know, I mean, I don't know what to do with him other than toss him. I, 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 I'm with you. I mean, he was down here. He broke his maiden. Uh, you look good uh, in the mud. He did run well in the mud that day. Uh, they, they tried him in the Gotham. He ran okay against okay horses. They brought him back down here. Dr. Post um, beat him pretty good. He went to Churchill, ran on the, in the Matt Wynn, made, made, no, uh, made no real impression, just evenly came back in the, the bluegrass, didn't really don't do anything uh i know he had got some issues at the start but you know if you if you have an issue at the start and you're flying home i, I can make a little bit better case of, of for you i mean he kind of got uh, i thought joe talmo did a good job in the last race getting him in position to make uh to make a run at our collector and he did and then he kind of petered out and and he held on um but i don't know I know on the sheets they got pretty good numbers, but uh, color me skeptical about him, uh, about his number in the last race. I, I really, I know he lost a little ground in the first turn, but uh, I, I don't see, I don't see him. I, I, I don't like him. So. Well, yeah. If you take out the top, let's say six horses, maybe he'd have a shot. <laughs> yeah. You know, uh, an interesting horse to me, and. Um, I say this. I say this as someone who doesn't really think that his last race was maybe as good as it looks on paper, um, or even in person. Is New York traffic? Uh, I um, he looks to me like a horse that likes to chase, and I'm not sure that. Um, I know he was gaining in the last race on Authentic, who looked like he had put him away. But I, I still don't know if that wasn't more the case of Authentic kind of getting tired more than New York traffic making up ground. And I think the number for that race is, 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 is high. The buyer numbers come back 101. And if that's true, then he ran his... his um, he ran his top, Authentic ran his top, and the older horses that day, Stan Huff's horse won the Mammoth Cup, and he ran his top, because they ran pretty much the identical time, and the horse who was second in that race ran his top, so I, I just sometimes have a hard time believing that four horses on the same card all ran their lifetime right. tops at that race. Right. So, and, and I'm not saying that the horse ran up 75, but I think that race is, is a little, high, a little high, higher rated than than it should, and I don't know that, um, I don't know that the, his racing running style is, is going to be uh, as effective, number one, going a mile and a quarter, number two, he's not going to be sitting lapped on the leader, I don't think. Well, one thing that jumped off the page at me looking at his past performances <clears throat> is that he doesn't pass horses. No. He's never passed. I, I don't think he's. It, he, it looks like he, he really has yet to pass. He him. just he just uh, he's a chaser, you know. He chases them and right, and he, he kind of you know uh, the proverbial you know 
kiss of death, the, the pack animal that just doesn't want to pass. I mean, he, he had every opportunity to go by authentic and did for whatever reason, even though he was backing up. I, I understand the, the little optical illusion. But his Matt Wynn did the same thing, didn't pass anybody. He, he stayed second pretty much the whole way around. Um, same thing in Louisiana. Both his races didn't pass a horse. Um it, it's just it's it's just crazy to me, and it and it kind of jumped off the page. Not to mention, his only win uh, after breaking his maiden at Gulfstream, he went wire to wire against a pretty weak field. Yeah. Um, you know, he's run well since, no doubt. But I I don't I just don't think he's this caliber. He may nibble at it. He's definitely going to get his name called a few times. I I, I see uh, I see Paco. Page, but, I see Paco five wide the whole way, laying fourth or third or fourth, and making a little and run on the run. turn, and yep. then kind of just, you know, stopping, stopping out of it. Um, I know this horse is is, is trained well, um, but Enforceable is another one to me that is just a one run closer that always winds up getting in some kind of trouble, and he's. Uh, I just I have a hard time with horses like him because, uh, yeah, he's gonna be a decent price, but uh, like Sol Valente, um, is he going to be able to? Um, and and really, kind of major Fed is is that way too. Um, is he gonna be able to to make up enough ground and, and get a clean enough trip to make an impact? I, I don't think he's good enough to win the race. But, you know, we have 10 cent supers, so fourth means something this year. But, um. You're damn right it does. Yeah. Uh, but I, I don't, you know, like you said, I mean, you know, I'm not a huge buyer number guy. But when, when something looks really obvious, you know, it's kind of hard to ignore. And the fact that he's run one race over a 90. Yeah. It, and he's a dead closer. Another one. Right. Um, it just doesn't doesn't speak well for him. Yeah, I, I I'm 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 with you there. Um, Max Player. Uh, he certainly has the um, the bad karma. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> he's the bad karma horse uh, of the field. Um, you know, getting moved to Steve Asmussen's barn uh, recently and. I mean, he was no match for Tis the Law in either of his last two races, which was his only races against really legitimate, um, you know, top-flight horses. Uh, and he ran okay, but to me, he's he's another one that just um, he might get in the number, but um, I, I don't know. You got a new jockey, you got a new trainer, and. They haven't had a whole lot of time to do a whole lot. He's worked a couple times at Churchill, worked pretty good both times. Um, I mean, to me, he, he was kind of a, a, a B player before. Uh, I don't know if the, the, the trainer change is going to help or hurt. I really I really don't. And uh, You know, I, I got a question mark next to this horse because every time out uh, from his, his first time out, to the present, all five starts he he's improved. Um, you know he went from a maiden 
to a grade three and one. Then jumped into a, a mile and eighth Belmont and didn't run bad. Um, didn't make the impact that I think a lot of people were, were hoping, um, albeit he was 14 to one. And then ran a better race in the Travers, which basically looked like the same race he ran in the Belmont, like a kind of record player type thing where he couldn't really match strides with a horse like Tis the Law. Um, he just seems like he's six or seven lengths. The Tis the Law is six or seven lengths better than him, so right. they're going to have to make that up, and Tis the Law is going to have to come back to him. And my question is, if he makes up two or three lengths and Tis the Law regresses two or three lengths, is he still good enough to beat some of the other ones? Well, that's, that remains to be seen. Um, I, I don't know what to do with Max Player, to be honest. Uh, he's definitely, uh, you know, depending on the price, uh, most likely going to be on my tickets, you know, in supers and things like that. Um, I mean, I, I it wouldn't surprise me if this horse, you know, just in how this race could actually be run, he could jump up and, and, and run a more improved race again. And, 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 you know, it wouldn't surprise me if it was, let's say, a, a Tis the Law max player exacta. That wouldn't surprise me. It's, it's probably more not likely. But it wouldn't surprise me just because they've been keeping the same kind of company. They've been doing the same things. And Max Player looks to be that kind of consistent sort. If he runs his race, he, he'll probably be, you know, he might be around. I'm not going to totally discount him. What do we do with King Guillermo? <laughs> I don't know. I, I mean, he he ran great, obviously in Tampa. Um, I liked his his Arkansas Derby as well. It's just you know, what do you do with a horse that hasn't run since May? I mean, I I think it's pretty obvious that his his workouts will probably look very good. Uh, because A, you haven't seen him in a long time and B, he's probably wants to race <laughs> um, I don't know, he, he has the talent I, I, I definitely don't think he's he's not uh, worthy of, of some excitement um, because, you know, again pace dynamics, things that could happen as far as what goes on up in the front he's probably in that second tier that's gonna gonna try to pounce um, you know, depending on where he draws, you know, I, I'd say he's a stalker type, and, and that might be the best trip. Whether he can finish is a whole other story. I mean, Nadal kind of put him away pretty easily. Um, he made a nice move in that in that race, um, and I would have fought at least at that point, at least give him one before the Derby, but. You know, they chose to train him up, and, and that's that's one of those things where it's that's another one. Like, Max Player, to me, is just a huge question mark. Um, he's definitely getting buzz, which is going to kill his price, um, which is a negative for me. Uh, but, I mean, I, I, can't, I can't knock anybody that's like, hey, he might run a big one. And it's certainly possible. He did it off the layoff before, from November to March, or really December. It was November 30th. Um, and he ran big, so maybe they're onto something. It's it's an interesting concept. You know, when they first made that statement, I thought to myself, 
This guy just wants to run in the derby. And if he figures, if he trains, and he has no bad races, <laughs> it's less likely that some, you know, that, that something will happen. Uh, I mean, I, I don't know if there was anything physically wrong with the horse. He never really missed any training. He seems like he's training great right now. I don't know how good he really is, and because no, we don't know how good Nadal is. I mean, Finicky, the Fierce, whatever the hell his name was, you know, patch number two was third in that race. He came out of it, Oakland. He got beat by Sol Valente. I mean, those are two horses that we're pretty much tossing. So right. should should his inactivity, maybe he just is, he hasn't shown that he's not quite up to the level of the top uh, you know, handful of horses because he hasn't run, because... His races, while good, were against competition that has not gone on and done anything since then. So, uh, to me, he Ed DeRosa from uh, Brisbane said last week after he worked so fast, he said, I, I hope he works even better next week because I'm not using him on a ticket or something <laughs> to that effect, that he's going to be kind of the wise guy horse, and I really don't like him. And, um, I, I, I just, you know, I kept looking at his works and I kept looking at his PPs and I kept thinking, why would a guy who doesn't get derby type horses every year, who hasn't been in this country very long, why would he take such a huge risk in, in, and maybe being going into this race a little bit short? Um, I, I don't know. It's, it's, uh. It's kind of a, a mystery horse, and I, I like Sammy Camacho. He's won some races for me, but this is his first real big stage race. This isn't uh, the Arkansas Derby. This is an 18-horse field, and, and all the big players are here. And the other big players are all horses with similar styles to his. So when he goes to make that move at the three-quarter pole... He's going to be making it into Art Collector, Honor AP, uh, Authentic, and Tis the Law. And you know one of those horses ain't going to give in. <laughs> maybe one of them will, 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 you know, not run the race or maybe Authentic will, you know, stop like a miler. Maybe Honor AP won't, won't you know, show up. But it's hard to believe that those other horses when you look them in the eye that they're they're not going to cave in and uh i just think a horse off of a long long layoff like he's at um and, and you know his we're not talking about post positions obviously because we don't know them yet but he might be a horse that's really affected by post position if he draws way inside where he's gonna probably have to gun and might even wind up being uh you know challenging for the lead um if he gets the way outside, he might have to leave out of there real strong too to to, to try to not be in the five path position that Paco is going to be in. So, uh, you know, I, I think post matters. To, I think some of the horses post doesn't really matter much. The the dead closers, but I, I think it matters to him. And where he lays and where Sammy Camacho decides to put him, I think could be an X factor in his field because. Being as fresh as he is, and there's a long run, and that's the other thing. Guys who haven't run in this race, it, the Derby has started by the quarter pole, which you know, we always talk about Churchill Downs having a you know this long stretch. Well, 
Very few races that go two turns in this country are are run with that kind of run up to the first turn. And yeah, a mile race is lots of mile races at Churchill, at, at, at uh, Gulfstream, at Laurel. They have that long run. But this is a different story. This is a different animal. There's two turns. So might a guy that's not that experienced use his horse a little bit too much trying to get position, go a little bit too fast, a little too hard um, down that, that stretch the first time. And, and that were, uh, I think that's where a, where a rider um, who's been here before is going to have a, a little bit of a, an experience advantage o over um, the first time, guys. Yeah, that's fair. Um, I think Pletcher did it did something similar to this. Obviously not as long of a layoff. But I remember Destin coming into the Derby, who I, kind of, I saw um, live when he ran in Tampa um, and won the Tampa Bay Derby that year. And he looked good. I mean, it, 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 it certainly didn't surprise me the way he ran in the Belmont then in the same year um, because he was that type of horse. Um, but it looked like Destin was short um, on Derby Day. Um, he probably needed one more race prior to, and he, and he might have, I think he ran fifth or Yeah, fifth. I think, I think, um, right. And he was short. It was clear that he, would, he was just short. And I, I don't know if that's the case with King Guillermo. I mean, you know, all signs indicate he's, he's probably going to run his race. But it's just a matter of where that race is, especially like you were saying, around two turns, uh, jockey and experience at the track. Mile There's a lot of things going against them. Mile and a quarter, too. Right. Mile and a quarter. So it, it, it's, it's a lot going against them. Um, he, he's just a big question mark to me. I, I'd like to see him. It looked like he filled out over this time, um, you know, after seeing him over the last couple of days. But, you know, that that's a good thing. But I, I, I just don't know what to do with him. And, and I know he's going to he's gonna take more money than he should. Thousand words. <laughs> Here's a horse. This is this is kind of telling in, in a way. Here's a horse that was a million dollar yearling by the sire of the last uh well, I guess it's not the last, the second to last uh triple crown winner, Pioneer of the Nile, out of a mare that that's really, you know, a really good mare, who came out running. He won his first three races. He broke his maiden, going six and a half at Santa Anita. He came back at Long Acres and won the the, the Los uh, Long Acres, <laughs> Los Alamitos. Uh, won the Los Alamitos Futurity, um, a two-turn race, uh, and then then finished. You know, came back uh, two months later and won the Robert Lewis at um, at Santa Anita from off the pace. And the funny thing was. He was three to five in that race, the, the Robert Lewis, and was about the third ranked horse in his own barn at the time. A million dollar undefeated uh, triple crown contender who really wasn't as well thought of as some of the other horses in his own barn. And then he ran into San Felipe and he, he really threw in a clunker. Um, and that was uh, Authentic, which was Baffert's other horse in there, really dominated that day. He had gone to the front, and there wasn't really much of an excuse uh, given for, for him. And then he ran um, at Oaklawn in um, 
in, in a race that was held in the mud and had a real fast early pace and, and they came home really slow and he made no impact at all and, and got beat uh, 30 lengths in that race and you know honestly the with the covid and everything he, he probably needed that little break little time off and baffert takes the blinkers off of him well another thing about interesting with thousand words was he won his first race without blinkers and then baffert made a change he added blinkers in his second race and you don't see trainers make equipment changes off of wins very often you actually have to ask permission from the stewards to, to get that done. Usually, when you make a blinker change, you ask the starter, but it, it's pretty much a formality, unless your horse is a really bad actor in the gate where he's going to make you come up and, and school. Um, but to change off a win, you have to get permission. Of course, it's Bob Baffert, and everyone does whatever he wants anyways. But but they took those blinkers back off, and he ran him in the uh, the Los Al Derby, and he, he ran okay. I mean, certainly was a better race than um, he had his last few. But but Uncle Chuck kind of grinded him out. And, uh, you know, he, 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 he certainly looked like the better horse that day. And Uncle Chuck, of course, came back and, and just got, um, you know, got annihilated by, by Tiz the Law and the Travers. And I think his last race, Thousand Words, and, and this is part of the California... Um, the issue with some of the California horses is that he won his last race probably because he had the inside post position and he went to the lead in a paceless race. And his last two races um, both had four horse fields. So you take that race out and again, he, he got a really soft pace. Um, I, I just... Uh, I don't. I can't see him in this race. Maybe I'm wrong, but he's tough to to figure, especially the way uh, he was handled by Authentic back in March. Um, you know, I, 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 it's hard to tell what what this true self is. You know, he, he's been so inconsistent, and then you know, I guess you could forgive that race at Oakland in the slop. Maybe he just didn't like it. Um, and if you take that one out, he doesn't look as bad. Um, but I don't know his uh, his shared belief. It just doesn't doesn't fit with the rest of his races. Um, and like you said, it was a four horse field. There was no pace at all. Honor AP got slammed out of the gate. Um, kind of lost all kinds of position. Just didn't. It was just a, a strangely run race for a four horse field, um, and he was the beneficiary of it. So, and he was he was game, he was game. But you know he got a, almost a twenty four second first quarter, and quality horse gets a gets a head start and and, and save ground both turns. It's it's tough to beat. Yeah, I mean he doesn't really have enough speed to be to be on the lead. And uh, I mean I'm thinking Authentic's going to be on the front. I, I really don't think that. Um, I don't think Authentic can win off the pace. And I think that the, he's going to be on a send mission to go to the lead uh, and try to back down. I, try to back him up. I, I don't see Authentic as a horse that is going to stalk and finish up going a mile and a quarter. I might be completely wrong, but I don't think he wants to get a mile and a quarter. 
I don't think he really wants a mile and an eighth. And I know his number, I think, was last time we discussed it already, was a little bit inflated. And I think that the Breeders' Cup mile would be a beautiful spot for him. But, um... And, and uh, why, why does the Bing Crosby winner get an automatic win and you're into the Breeders' Cup mile? That makes no That's sense strange. to me. Because the Bing Crosby sense. is a seven furlong sprint. And the Breeders' Cup mile this year, and if it's at Santa Anita, is a two-turn race. And I know everyone hates Peter Miller anyways. But, um... <laughs> So no one really cares, but it's just I thought that was weird. But but anyways, back to authentic. He he to me, he's he's gonna be the pace setter. The pace is gonna be fast. There's plenty of horses, good horses, that have early speed. There's some horses that might be influenced by post to try to send early, especially with some riders that aren't as familiar with riding the Derby. And I think that's that's another thing you have. No Ortiz brothers, you have no Joe Rosario, you you have, um, you know, some more, you have a lot more riders, inexperienced riders, than you ever had in this derby this year. There's there's uh, quite a few um, first-time guys, and as such, that can usually lead to, to some chaos. Um, it's, it's a hard race to figure how it's going to go, so, I mean, most races these days, and Jockeys are, are, are they're, they're riding in, in short fields a lot. And, well, no one rides in 18-horse fields. But this is a weird race be, because we have that long run in, in the first turn. You know, you got that long, long run. So there is time to get position, but it, it's also a mile-and-a-quarter dirt race. And the jockeys aren't used to riding mile-and-a-quarter dirt races. And um, it's just... Uh, I think we're going to get a strong pace. I really do. I, I, I don't think that... Uh, I think everybody... And I, I think Art Collector and Tis the Laws jockeys are going to have an eye out for each other. Uh, I think Mike Smith is going to try to sit outside of them. Uh, I think Authentic is going to go to the lead. And then there's all those X-Factor horses who really don't know what they're going to do. And, and that leads us to, to Honor AP, who... I'll be honest, I... I his works, he, he looks like a horse who's not a great workhorse, and he's got action more of like he's got that high knee action, more like a, a, a turf like a horse. Yeah. Um, but it's also, I, I've only seen him work at Del Mar, and Del Mar is, is a little bit of a different track. And, and you know, I have this theory that Maximum Security doesn't love Del Mar's surface either. and and yeah, that he's yeah, winning despite it. And, like it, and again, it, it's it's just I mean conjecture. We he hasn't called me up and told me that he didn't like it or anything. But uh, he called me yesterday. He, <laughs> I can't <laughs> believe he stiffed me. But um, I, you know, I, again, I, I don't I don't know, um, I don't know how how good he is. I don't know where he wants to sit. His last race, he broke a little slow. And then he kind of caught wide. Then Mike kind of sent him into the first turn, which I thought was a tactical mistake. And he kind of rushed on the outside, and Pratt was in between. Um, um, and uh, on the horse who actually, I can't remember the horse name, but the horse finished, finished last. And he wasn't letting Mike go. So when Mike went, he went, and so he used this horse early. And, and he still kind of finished up some. And... 
and I don't think that the mile and a quarter will be the issue with him, but he's so lightly raced, and I, I, I don't know, I've... Well, from what I've seen, you know, in his races, he just doesn't look like the finisher that either Art Collector or Tis the Law is. Not saying he can't win, because he does have the talent. He's run two uh, triple-digit buyers, which is a lot compared to the rest of the field. I think, you know, Tis the Law has three. Art Collector has three in that regard. Um, so it's not a stretch for him to improve a couple of points or maybe even a point or two to the point where he can finish up and, and just kind of... Uh, be right there to finish. He's more of a grinder. You know, he made a nice right. he made a nice quarter pole move uh, in the Santa Anita Derby, um, and 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 ran by authentic. Um, I don't know. I I I, I have to say that, that he is not one that um, I, I really have a lot of confidence in. No, I, I mean, like you said, he's a grinder. I, I haven't seen him kind of accelerate, like, you know, and, and with a burst of energy kind of wears right. him down. Like, like Tis the Law, uh, his last race, he just, like, he just left them. And, and even Art Collector, <laughs> uh, who, who really was, was drawing away at the end again, he, he was, he, he had picked him up and, and, and put him down. And uh, Yeah, he showed multiple gears, and that's what I haven't seen from on AP, because if he gets stopped, he's... He's kind of in trouble, um, and like you said, you know, Mike kind of used him early last time out wide, and he did finish well. You know, I, I can't knock him. I mean, it, it, despite the trouble, he got he got hit coming out of the gate, and then you know, kind of recovered from that, made a nice move, probably the wrong move, like we were just saying, and then still didn't, you know, kind of he, he still finished pretty good. So there, there's some hope there, and and he's not. Uh, a hopeless horse in a race like this because he sure as hell can win. It's just the scenario that is in front of him may not suit his style, especially if, if horses get in his way. I don't know. I mean, he, he's going to take money, clearly. There, there's a lot of people that believe in him and think, you know, the longer the better. So... And John, and John, Sheriff's, is, John Sheriff's is a really good trainer, especially when he points... For a spot, and, and clearly he's been pointing for the Derby for for quite a while. Um, I just wish the horse was a little. To me, he's he's, he's still he, he's he still races green. He still <clears throat> doesn't look like he has put it all together yet. And uh, I'm just uh, I'm not sold on him in this particular race. Uh, let's take a quick break, and we'll come back and we'll talk about the uh, the two obvious contenders. Welcome back to Going in Circles. We're breaking the derby down with my co-host Barry Spears. And we're up to the two main contenders. If this was a heavyweight fight, it'd be a pretty good matchup. You have So so it wouldn't be Tyson versus Peter McNeely, is what you're telling me. It, it wouldn't be Peter McNeely, no. Okay. I, I it was funny, I saw Tyson today. 
on Twitter somewhere sparring, and people were like, wow, look how great he is. I said, you know what? He looks great if he was fighting a guy in a Walmart parking lot. But <laughs> if he fights Tyson Fury or or one of those guys, he has no shot. He's going to get annihilated. He, he was washed up when he was 38. He's 52. Right. I mean, he lost to Buster Douglas. I mean, that, that says a lot. And he wasn't even technically washed up at that point. The 22-year-old Mike Tyson was... was Close to unbeatable, but the 52-year-old Mike Tyson, yeah, he can still uh, bob and weave, and, and, and I'm sure he still hits really hard. I don't think I'd want to get hit by him, but the heavyweights now are six foot eight. <laughs> you know, he's got <laughs> these guys are giant, and and he, he they would just pick him apart. And uh, I don't know how Roy Jones is going to fight. I, I I don't know how I feel about all these boxers coming out of it, uh, retirement because. Uh, I mean, De La Hoya is supposed to be coming out of retirement. He's been retired yeah, for a long time, and he looked—he didn't look that great at the end either. I mean, all these guys don't look that great, and I think sometimes they just—I don't know if they need the money or or what. But I mean, boxing is not—it's not golf, you know. They—they right. they hit, they hit you a lot, and um. Uh, it it's it, it never seemed to be a sport that'd be a good idea to have a have a senior tour, but uh, I, I don't know, kind of crazy. But an interesting segue. But uh, Art Collector is a horse that, in normal circumstances, would probably be the horse everybody would be rooting for. Um, and I'm sure a, a great deal of, of Kentucky will be rooting for him as he's trained by a, a hometown guy, uh, Tommy Drury, who's a, a good guy, really good trainer, who doesn't generally get, well, I shouldn't say he doesn't generally get to train these type of horses. He gets to train a lot of these type of horses. The thing is, he gets to train them when they're young horses, and he generally sends them to other trainers. This horse was supposed to go to Rusty Arnold. Uh, Joe Sharp had this horse as a two-year-old, and uh, there were some issues with, with Mr. Sharp, and the owner decided, uh, Bruce Lunsford, he was going to go in a different direction, and and he wound up uh, at Tommy Drury's place um, while they regrouped and tried to figure out where they were going with him, and I guess he was supposed to go to Rusty Arnold's, but with the COVID issues, Rusty said, just leave him where he's at for now because we don't know what's going on. We don't know. Um, I mean, now we all look back and it's like, well, you know, it wasn't that big of a deal, but at the time, we didn't know what was going on. We didn't know what was going to be open, what was going to be uh, not open, if tracks were going to have training, it, you know, who was going to be allowed to come on uh, and not, you know... And, and, and Tommy trains at, at Skylight Training Center, which is a private training center. So so they had um, the luxury of knowing that their operation was going to continue. And he's done a great job with this horse. Uh, he, he's, um, he's a horse that uh, had won an allowance race but got disqualified from purse money because of a drug positive that uh, Mr. Sharp had quite a few of. Of, uh, of them and um, when he came back uh, when Churchill opened back up um, this horse won an allowance race uh, going seven eighths really nicely uh, we made a, a big move and and, uh, and and certainly was was far and away the best 
course that day. I mean, it was a really impressive return to the races, and, and, and understandably, he had already cleared that condition easily, so that was kind of like a tune-up, and now you look back, and he was 6-1 to one that day, so talk about missing out on an opportunity, but uh, he came back a month later in, in another allowance race and went, went to the lead, set relatively soft fractions, and again, just dominated off that he he came back a, another in a month's time in the bluegrass the uh the July version of the bluegrass where he faced a a lot better field than he had been running against and um his main rival that day was was none other than Swiss Skydiver who's the uh the second choice for the Kentucky Oaks and in any normal year would have been the favorite for the Kentucky Oaks and uh um She's come out of that bluegrass second runner-up finish to to win in California and and, and to uh, just gallop in the uh, the Alabama. She won in a canter, and uh, you know her form has has really um, made our collector's form shine. And uh, his final tune-up was the illustrious Ellis Park Derby, and uh, he he ran well. And and Brian Hernandez did the right thing. He uh, had drawn towards the inside in a big bulky field, and that turn comes up pretty quick at Ellis, and uh, he went to the lead. And again, he set reasonable fractions. Um, they they were legit. I mean, t uh, for that track that day, that they were legitimate fractions. And when they turned for home, looked like three or four horses maybe had a shot at him. But when uh, Hernandez turned the stick over and uh, smacked him once, our collector just took off and clearly was, they could have went around that track 20 times and, and that though that group wasn't beating him. And interestingly enough, he, he was probably beating a lesser field than he'd run in, in the race uh, with, where the Philly was the, the main competition. But uh, it, it's, it's eerie actually when you look at those, his last two races, the, the fractions are identical. <laughs> It's bizarre yeah, that they're that identical. Absolutely identical. And and two different tracks. And yeah, he was on the lead in one, and he wasn't on the lead. So his fractions were a little bit different. But but that's that's really kind of crazy uh, uh, to think that um, that the times would be that that close together. He literally ran the same race. Yeah, it, it's it's crazy, and he finished about the same length ahead, and uh, it's 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 almost eerie, but. Um, but he, he's a horse that's done nothing but improve uh, off that that layoff, and he's by Bernardini, um, out of a distorted humor mare, and certainly should not have uh, the distance should be within his scope. Um, he, he seems to be tactical. He's got enough early speed to to keep himself out of trouble. He's passed horses before. He's um, he's won on off tracks. He really doesn't have a lot of knocks. I mean, his his, his jockeys, Brian Hernandez, who's ridden uh, in the Derby. I, I don't think he's actually done all that well in it, but he's been in the race before. He, he he's a, been a perennial leading rider at uh, Churchill. He, he's uh, he's really improved uh, from when he when he had started out. I mean, he, he's really become a good jockey, and he, he makes a lot of good decisions. And like I said, in any other normal Derby. This would be not only the favorite, but probably the 
the, the, the karma favorite as well. Um, and to be honest, his numbers are good. His, his sheet numbers are good. Sheet numbers, I think, are faster than does the law, from what I recall. I think they're about the same. I think they're right. They're running about all. They're both running zeros. A lot of zeros. Yeah. But uh, I don't, you know, like, I don't really have any knocks against this horse. How can you? I mean, he, he you know, after that uh, trainer change, he, he's been stellar. I mean, nobody's can touch him. Nobody. And, you know, I like him. I, I was really impressed, even though uh, in his last race, that, that really impressed me the way he won that. I mean... He took heat up front early and shook those horses off like he was, and you know, I guess he was supposed to. But it's one thing to, to see it on paper and then, you know, one thing to actually see the race run. And he, he took them on and, and didn't flinch and, and, and ran away afterwards. Um, you know, and I, and, and I loved his law too, but I, I just think he's just a, a tad bit more impressive. Um, you know, and, and I know that sounds weird, especially after the Travers, but I liked his Ellis Park Derby better than the Travers of, of Tis the Law, which, you know, I'm sure gonna, people that hear this are probably going to be like, you're crazy, but um, it just seemed like a, a race that had everything you would want for a prep uh, for the Derby, and he got everything out of it, so if, if I had to pick one, he's, he's the guy. Our collector. Well, that brings us to Tis the Law. Tis the Law has the unique distinction of being the first horse. Uh, I, I could be wrong about this. Actually, there might have been a Japanese horse. But the first horse, legitimate horse, legitimate contender for the Derby that's won at a mile and a quarter prior to winning the Derby, so that that question's been answered. He certainly can handle a mile and a quarter, as he's already done it in, in pretty spectacular fashion. Um, Barkley Tag has done an amazing job keeping this horse at a peak level since last August. He he's never run the the, the race at Churchill, I, and I know that's the race that everybody's going to circle, and it's the only. Um, the only time he ever even looked vulnerable was in oh, that race. Our, our guy, uh, Finnick the Fierce, was in that race also. The yes, the Finnick the Fierce who I don't know. <laughs> he what, just shows up. I can't see him in here. <laughs> that was bad. <laughs> oh, I know that was as bad as before. He took the title back. Um, but that was a race where he kind of got in a little bit of traffic, was stuck down on the inside, and and never really looked comfortable, and. When you look at that race versus every other race he's run, um, he he's just he doesn't want to be down on the inside. It doesn't look like I, I think that may have been a more of a factor. A young, inexperienced horse going two turns for the first time gets trapped down on the inside and takes a lot of dirt on a on a on a sloppy track. Might have been more of the factor than the actual sloppy track or or anything. And and I think that's gonna be play a part um i think for him the post position is going to matter too because i don't think if he draws inside authentic and art collector 
and, and any of the other horses that he's going to be interested in staying inside of them. I think that if he draws inside, that Franco is going to gun and and force them to circle him to clear and then try to get a stalking position uh, outside of him, which he he seems to be the trip he wants to be where where he lays two, three wide, um, lapped on the leaders and able to make that, that quarter pole move, which he makes. And, and it just... So far, every every time he's made that 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 quarter pole move, he's he, it's been like a knockout blow. He's just run by the horses, and that's it. The race is over. And this might be a little bit of a tougher task, unless unless he sits in a position where art collectors behind him, um, authentics on the lead, uh, the, some of the other horses, New York traffic. Uh, King Guillermo, um, Honor AP stack up outside, and Manny Franco makes that that quarter pole move and opens up two or three. I don't know that they can run him down. Yeah, I was gonna say if he if he gets bold enough and gets to that lead like he did in the Travers, they're gonna have a tough time reeling him in. Um, the, you know, the thing with his the law is that he's like you said he he's been lights out from his first race and that that kind of worries me a little bit because you know it's been this long and don't get me wrong he may be this good to the point where nobody can touch him our collector is just a, an afterthought and that that obviously remains to be seen um but i i'm just as far as uh, from a betting perspective and value our collector is going to be a lot more of a value in this race. Um, you know, you can say, hey, look, uh, the Travers, maybe he ran his best race that day. You, you, you could easily back. make that it's argument possible. that that race was so good he that, that he topped out. His sheet number didn't top out, but again, he, he was under stout restraint at the end. And I'm not a big believer in... You know, when guys stop asking horses that they're actually slowing down a lot. But this horse was three sixteenths of a mile. He he took a hold of him. He, and, and it wasn't that it, it wasn't that he, he was just galloping, he wasn't whipping him or wasn't urging him. He he literally like he, he could have won that race by, by twelve lengths. Um and I mean he's done nothing but train even better seemingly afterwards. Uh, I think that that one, the one vulnerability he has is that he does not want to be inside horses. I do not think he wants to be inside horses. And I think Barkley is going to tell Manny, take your shot five wide rather than take your shot up the inside. And, and again, in a big field, uh, he has tactical speed. He's a horse that's not going to be too far out of it. And if he gets an outside post, I think that'll be great for him in the He'll be able to kind of survey. He'll have the whole stretch to kind of see who's going, who's not going, and, and kind of uh, you know figure out where, where his best uh, his his best seat's going to be. But if he draws inside, it's a different story. He, he's going to have to send out of there. I do not think that they're going to say, "Oh, well, we're going to sit seventh or eighth on the inside and try to work our way through." Uh, especially considering the only time the horse ever lost and ever didn't look comfortable was 
doing something similar to that. Right. And, you know, I, I, one, one feather in his cap is that he does break well. Um, I think there was one time, you know, early in, 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 in Belmont that he didn't, uh, he's kind of stumbled a little bit at the start and still ran him off their feet. Um, yeah, I mean, you know, I guess, it, like like you were saying, the, the, the two heavyweights, this is what everybody came to see, is those two hook up, and, and I think it very well may happen. Um, how they get there may be two different stories. You know, if, if Law has to make a move and go around people um, early, that, that might not be the, the most ideal situation. Um but it, it's definitely going to be a great race to watch. Uh, like you said, it's top-heavy. I'm not really expecting any of the longer shots to, to, to be coming, like, you know, running at these two. Um, you know, uh, again, Honor AP is one of those question marks that, you know, he, he, he could just throw in a bad one also. Um, so beyond these guys, it, it's, it's really tough to come up with somebody else. I, you know, my heart wants Tis the Law, but my gambling sense says Art Collector. Yeah, I mean, listen, I, I want Barkley Tag to win. Barkley's my friend. Barkley deserves to go out like this. Not that he's done training or anything, but, but um, you know, he, he's kind of had that that career. And, he, and Barkley got a late start in his career in the big leagues. Um he didn't even come to New York full time until he was in his fifties, and I think that's a that's something that people need to understand when they look at his career in its entirety. And um, like to win the Derby twice, with New York Reds for the same outfit, um, I really think that would be a uh, um, a, a huge feather in his cap, and I, and I really think that that would be probably the um, the determining factor uh, in getting him in the Hall of Fame. And the horse has done Which nothing... Is a shame, you know, because it, it's not like he shouldn't be in there already. I mean, listen, he's made $62 million in purses. Uh, he, he doesn't have a 200-horse barn. He has a... Right now, I think he's got 15 horses. Uh, he's never had a big, big barn. He's had lots of really good horses. Lots of... Uh, he's won tons of graded stake races and more importantly he has the respect of his peers um, it's interesting that a lot of the top trainers now yeah you know there's begrudging respect but by the same token a lot of people say to themselves you know it's a hard it's hard to run a big operation like that I respect the way they run their operation more than I expect their actual horsemanship because a lot of ways they're training the horses the same, and they've gotten really good horses, and you just kind of, you know, it's like coaching the all-star team, you know? <laughs> I mean, you don't really need to do too much coaching. You just have to keep them happy and healthy and pointed in the right direction. And But Barkley is a horseman's horseman, and, and everything is calculated. He trains every single horse. Uh, he lives and dies with it. I was saying this, I think I said this on a podcast a couple of weeks ago back uh you know, in this job that I did this past year, uh, I got to be and to go to a lot of different people's barns. And, you know, when you're training horses, you don't, 
you don't go to a whole lot of people's barns, you know, other people's barns. And I would be around in the afternoon a lot. And it was interesting that the two trainers, and this doesn't this doesn't mean that other trainers didn't spend time in their barns in the afternoons too, but but Barkley was always there, and Chug was there a lot, and Chug also had an operation at, at um, up at Payson Park, so he spent some time up there. But you know the two old school guys that, that are at at the barn that know all their horses that that train them, um, they they don't just have programs. Um, the amount of respect that Barkley Tag has um, with his peers and a lot of his peers now are people like me who are young enough to be his, his kid but um, you know it, it, it's, it's, it's something that uh, it's tough to measure but it's there and I, I mean guys Dallas Stewart and Mark Henning were on Twitter and they were astonished that he wasn't already in the Hall of Fame. <laughs> what do you mean he's not? I I just assumed he was in the Hall of Fame already. And yeah, I think um, a lot of people were on that train, <laughs> including myself. I was like, how is he not? And uh, I mean, and 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 his partner Robin, they 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 live and die, and and a lot of people do. Listen, I, I get it. horse racing is a, is a difficult sport. It's made look easy by a few guys, but those guys have everything. They have every advantage. They they have the racing office doing what they want to do. They've got the owners doing what they want to do. They've got the tracks doing what they want to do. They've got so much talent. And, and yes, they're, 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 they do a great job, and they, they're very, very successful. But if you gave them 20 horses like Barkley's, you wonder if they would do as good as Barkley does. And I, and I think there's other trainers like that too. Um, I mean, it would be great to see a guy like Tommy Drury win. Uh, I mean, me, I, I'm a guy that's for the underdog trainer. And I, I think it's notable that outside of of of, uh, of Baffert, most of the other trainers with contenders in this race are, are not uh, huge trainers. Uh, Asmussen certainly is, but this horse was handed to him two weeks ago. So I'm not going to give him a lot of credit for getting the horse here. Linda Rice got the horse here. He just is... Uh, you know, he, he's he's just going to pick up the win if, he, if the horse wins, but uh, he, he hasn't done a whole lot, and he, he of course, would probably admit that. Um, the rest of the horses, the contenders, there, there's there's a lot of smaller trainers. I mean, a lot of the horses, like we've poo-pooed, they're, they're not real contenders, but Todd Pletcher has no horses in here, and he, he was considering Dr. Post, and I don't know if that money moves is running or not. I mean, we didn't really talk about him, but uh, the, he has no chance. But um, uh, Ted, Chad Brown has, has no horses in here. John Sadler has no horses. Doug O'Neill has no horses. Uh, Chris Clement, Bill Mott. Um, you, know, you can go through a list of all the big-time trainers who get all the good horses, and they don't have a horse in here. So uh, I, I think that, that means something. It means something. Um, it has to, doesn't it? And, uh, I mean, Baffert is, I mean, nobody gets better horses than Baffert does per capita. And Baffert's people, the agents, the owners, everyone's pointing for this. These are the races they want to win. It's not surprising that he gets horses in every year. 
um, but certainly he he's his program works in that he's got contenders virtually every year. Um, and yes, they're million dollar horses or five hundred thousand dollar horses. There's no doubt about that. We 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 get that. But but he's he's here. Other guy, a lot of other guys get those type of horses and they're not. So. But nobody wants to see Bob Baffert win virtually outside of Bob Baffert. So, um, yeah, I mean, I would really love to see Barkley win it. And if uh, if Tommy Drury were to win it, it, it would be a win for all the guys that uh, that deal with the second-rate horses, that, that deal with uh, the ones that no one else wants. So, so hopefully, hopefully one of those guys wins it. But... Uh, but it's a horse race, and it's a big field, and there's so many things that can happen. And um, hopefully, everybody stays healthy and, and, and makes it into the race. It's uh, I'll, I'll never forget uh, the day PND had the scratch. That was oh man, heartbreaking. God, if if social media was was that was around then, it would have been uh, Twitter would have broke. If, if <laughs> it, it was, uh, it, it just you know it's so hard to win races. And, and I think that's another thing that the super trainer kind of makes it look easy. Be, but they have so many horses that they have to win. <laughs> you know? Yeah, and listen, they, they, sure, they have they have horses get hurt like everybody else, but they got seven more in the same class to replace them with. A lot of guys right, have one. Notice until they come back. A lot, like, of guy, oh, a lot of guys have one. They have one good horse or two good horses. And and when they get hurt, it's like ugh, a crushing, crushing blow. So so I just hope that uh, hope everybody makes it in. And uh, I mean, we uh, you know every it's funny. Every Derby's a different race. Like you watch Derby's over and over, and I, I know ESPN usually runs their. Uh, um, uh, on ESPN2 or, or one of those channels, they usually run all the derbies that they have tapes on, uh, you know, the, the preceding the derby. And, uh, you know, you watch them over and over again. And every race, it's got a, a different flavor to it and different pace, different things happen. And um, I, I remember the year uh, Spendabuck won it. And, and I got to get Angel Cordero on one day to tell... If only to tell the story of Spendabuck and his trip back home that night. It's one of the greatest stories you're ever going to hear. But, um, you know, he was in the race, and, and, and people forget that... Um, and Spendabuck was a great horse. He really was. He was not a particularly well-bred horse. He's a horse had knee surgery after his two-year-old year. And he had incredible speed, and he was trained by... Uh, a newcomer. He was owned by a guy that, you know, admittedly really didn't know what the hell they were doing. And and um, his derby, there was a horse named Internal Prince, who Richard yes. Migliori was rode. Migliori. Yeah, John Lanzini, Butch Lanzini, and uh, George Steinbrenner owned him. And he drew inside, and he was the other main speed. And I don't know if he would have been fast enough to keep up with Spendabuck, or if Migliori would have not tried to go in the head because Spendabuck went 45 and change to, to the half and, and he just blitzed him. He, he, he opened up five and, and, and never looked back and, and he kind of changed things because he came out of that race and he skipped the Preakness. 
<laughs> yeah. And to, uh, to go to the Jersey Derby because it was a $2 million bonus. Um, and uh, it, it was a, a an odd deal in that uh, Angel wound up not riding him. And Lafitte Pinkai wound up riding him. And and uh, when the bonus money was divvied out, Angel had won three of the races. He got nothing, <laughs> um, which which I'm sure he's still pissed off about today. But um, that one that one sticks out in my mind because <clears throat> at the time I was I think nine years old, and like I was just becoming familiar with a VCR, and I figured out how to tape things, and I taped the Derby broadcast that day. And I used to watch it over and over and over again. And one thing that always stood out is, I think it was Frank Wright who was doing the broadcast with Jim McKay. Yeah. And they were just enamored with Richard Migliori and how big his hands were for a jockey. <laughs> and that, that'll always stand out. I don't know why, because, you know, like you said, it was it was a masterpiece of a ride from, from Angel. Um he just bottomed them out. Just went yeah, to the lead and I mean, bottomed they, they them out. Touch him. They, just, they just couldn't touch him. I mean, I remember at, at the top of the stretch looking at that race, and I'm like, is somebody going to come get this guy or what? You know, and he just kept running. Um, but, yeah, you know, I, I used to tape all that stuff when I was a kid. Uh, you know, inside racing on, on – back then it was Sports Channel. Yes. And, you know, you get inside racing on the dark days – especially in Saratoga. So you get racing action with Harvey Pack. Yep. On Monday. <laughs> I, I used to have I used to have a ton of videotapes of Harvey Pack, the Harvey Pack show. I don't know if my parents still have it, but I, I, I taped all this shit, man. I remember Chris Lincoln and, used to have a show on ESPN on Tuesdays. Right, on Tuesdays, yeah. on Dark Days too. You know, I people are so spoiled one. nowadays that, like, you can just, like, right now, we, we could go on our phones or iPads and, and, and and conjure up a race from YouTube. just about anywhere, you know, like any a lot running live. Back then, we, we didn't we didn't see the races that were another. We read about them, and I would get the the thoroughbred, uh, the record, and the blood horse, and and you'd read about these horses that were running in in the Midwest or out west, and we we just saw the horses that, um, you know, were where we were like, you know it. The New York papers would cover Monmouth, and they would cover um, some of the dark day tracks. They'd, they'd cover uh, uh, Finger Lakes or Keystone or, or wherever, or Gulfstream Keystone. in the winter. Wow, but um, sir. But it just was, uh, like, we didn't have the, the like, the, the, the races were huge when they were on TV because we just didn't see them. And I grew up in Saratoga, right. so we had Hollywood access Park to... was, like, foreign. It was like a foreign land, like Hollywood Park. You see Hollywood Park on TV, it was like, oh, my God. I remember. <laughs> I remember when I was in college, the first year in college, and I was going to college in, in Albany, New York, and I would go to the OTB. There's an OTB on Central Avenue, and I would be there regularly. And um, I remember watching the races from Gulfstream, and like seeing the palm trees. And you go outside in the parking lot. And there's snow piled up, and your car's got ice on it, and you know, you know how like snow and ice gets gray from the cars, and and right, and and you would see like you'd see a race from Santa Anita, and and, and the mountains in the background, or you see a race from Gulfstream or Hialeah, and the and the palm trees, and you're like, man, 
that's where I want to go. <laughs> like right, this yeah, winter man. sucks, man. I don't want to do this winter. And uh, it, it just is. It's funny how how different things were, but how how fascinated like to see racing on television. The the Derby and the Preakness and the and the um and the Belmont, the Triple Crown. Some there was no. This was kind of even like right around before the Breeders' Cup was around. I think the Breeders' right, Cup was. 84. 84 was the first year I was I was I was in high school. I taped that one too, by the way. And uh, I I, I remember time. looking at that um, at that first form for the Breeders' Cup, and like uh, you, you looking at all the horses from all the different places because we didn't even get the forms from other places. No. We it wasn't you know you didn't even see Cal and California back then in the racing form in in the East Coast was like a normal paper. Um, you know, fold in the in the middle, the DRF, and and in the West Coast it was in the tab, it's the form it's in now. So even the DRFs were were different. And uh, I remember the first Breeders' Cup looking at the PPs and just being fascinated by all these horses. Then the European horses would come over, and I was talking to my dad about it the other day about how the first couple Arlington Millions that they had, um, and. Uh, they they had separate pools, so the New York City right. New York City uh, was the hub for New York. So so they had their own pool that wasn't you didn't get track odds. And I remember that we'd always look at, at the um, at the the TV, uh, the TV coverage to see what, to see what the actual odds were, and then yeah. see what the you know trying to get these huge overlays. Uh, I remember Pete Axtelm was uh, was uh, the uh, one of the hosts of that the first Arlington Million show, and uh, of course John Henry was, you know, kind of kind of kicked that off like in the proper way. But um, it was just so much different back then. And I mean, I, I remember like uh, Foolish Pleasures is Derby was was like the first was one of the first races I can remember. Yeah, um, I remember going to to Rockingham Park uh, with my parents. And, you know, they, they carted maybe nine, ten races. And then they had an additional race where they would simulcast one from, you know, if it was in August, it'd be Saratoga, it'd be their stakes race. That, that's how simulcasting... You would bet that, from that track that day. That's how it started. I, it started I, everywhere. I absolutely loved it. I was like, oh, wow, I want to go there, you know. I, you know, it just, it's just crazy, you know, the way things were then. To where they are now. I mean, we used to bet one race from a different track. Usually, their stakes race. Yeah. On a car. One race. Yep. I I remember that. And and then they would do it on a Saturday. And then it, then it became yep. they would do it on Saturday and Sunday. Then they'd be doing it on Friday. So I remember uh, seeing a filly named uh, Malair, and, and who ran in California. And and this was this was even uh, this was in the nineties. And I remember telling somebody. You should see this freak that just ran out in California. I'm like, how do you know about her? I said they showed a race. I said, really, they showed a race in California. Said, yeah, they showed one race. Well, how the hell are you bet on one race? I said, well, I'm happy to we're, ha we're happy to get what we get, you know. And then they started doing, uh, you know, full full card simulcast. And uh, but I I remember there was so many different. Um, it was just like a different world, like you said. You know, you see these tracks, and you'd be like, "Wow!" And and I, and I was spoiled. I grew up in Saratoga. That was a that was where I saw the bulk of my races. We would go to New York, and we would go to Belmont, and once in a while we'd go to Aqueduct. But for the most part, 
like when my dad would bring us on vacation when we were little kids, we'd go, we'd go to Monmouth or sometimes uh, we'd go to Atlantic City. And back then, uh, kids weren't allowed at the track at night. Nope. And we had they to sit in the outside grandstand, which was out uh, like a bleachers. And my dad would go in and out through, um, they had a, a, a gate. And he would go in, make bets, come out. We'd watch the races and, uh, you know, just, just kind of a different world. And it's it's just, uh, it's lost a lot of that, you know. And I think sometimes that we get so spoiled now. We have so much, so much racing, so many opportunities, so many tracks to bet on. That the mystery is, is not quite as there. And, and you have these huge outfits that have horses everywhere and... I remember guys shipping north, or excuse me, shipping uh, west. It was always the, the the thought was that it was easier to ship from the west coast to the east west coast to east. than the other way. And I remember yeah. when Broadbrush went out there and, and and won the Santa Anita handicap and and uh, beat Ferdinand and Angel was pumping his fist afterwards and no one was sure if he even won the race. And uh, uh, an old timer used to tell me <laughs> he, he used to say. When the horses go out west, it usually takes them two weeks to acclimate because of the tremors. I don't know. In California, they gotta get used to the fault lines. Well, it's as good. Listen, like, you know what? That makes sense. It, it's not. <laughs> it's know, not. Like, I've heard like worse theories. Years all the time, but you know, whatever. That was one of the things the old OTBs used to have too. Is you had the conspiracy theorists. There was everybody. <laughs> everybody was a conspiracy theorist. I, I remember telling you. I think I told you a story that. We were in an OTB in Latham one time, and, and this was a little, small OTB just south of Saratoga. And, uh, you know, cigarettes and cigars weren't banned inside. and it, it was like one of the smokiest places on earth. But we were in there, and, and they would pipe in the call of the race. We didn't even have... No visual. No visual. And, and they, they couldn't even do it live. They had to do it on delay, so they would delay it like 30 seconds or something. Of course, never, we didn't know. We didn't have cell phones, so it, it didn't really matter. I mean, we're still sitting there listening to the race. So you got all these people in this, in this little OTB, and, and we're all listening to the race. And Frank Dwyer, who was the backup announcer at, at Naira, and, and Frank Dwyer is a really, really nice guy. He does the polo. And, but Frank Dwyer was not a very good race caller. And he would miss horses all the time. When you would watch the races live when he would call them, you would be like, the horse is on the lead and he hasn't called him yet. Like, what's he doing? You know what I mean? And, and um, there was this race and uh, he didn't call his horse to the very end, you know. And the horse made, a, made, made the, the last run and, and got up and won. And so everything goes quiet, you know, people, of course, are all bitching and moaning, like, you know, like to do. And, and then uh, they said, now hold all tickets, there's a steward's inquiry. And this guy starts complaining. How could they call steward's inquiry in this race? The horse clearly won. And, I'm, and I remember looking at my dad thinking, we didn't see the video. How does this guy know all this stuff? They got to make a call in a race. Like this guy is like complaining about the about the stewards in court. We don't even know who's on. And 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 the guy is like going on and on and on. And these people, they you know they're crooked and blah 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 blah. And and I was about, I was like 15 years old, and I'm thinking to myself, this guy's out of his rocker. You know, I mean, like, what the hell is he complaining about? Like, how does he know what happened? You know. <laughs> And my dad just looked at me and just kind of shook his head, you know. And and, and it's funny because that's those guys are on social media now. 
and <laughs> you know they come up with the conspiracy yes. theories then uh uh you know walt gecko there said that if tis the law doesn't run in the mountain of uh, 5h turf <laughs> then his triple crown won't be legitimate i mean you get these wild theories about craziness and uh, you know it's 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 funny in a way <laughs> it's absolutely hilarious um you know I mean, uh, just just having those things and, and being able to have these stories like we're talking about is like what what made us fall in love with this game. Um, and and like you said, some of that is kind of washed away a little bit by you know the the way things and technology and and how things have progressed. And and sometimes it's it's cool to to think about it and and, and talk about the the crazy times that you had at the OTB or at a track. You know, back in the day, um, you know, there, there's some of my my best memories and, and, and funny stories are, are ones from seeing and hearing things uh, at at the racetrack. So, you know, it's just want to get back to that kind of thing. And it seems like it's really tough nowadays with a lot of things that are going on in the world itself. Plus, you know, a lot of things going on within the sport. That's the thing. I, I was talking about it with um, with Mike Petro. Mike Petro runs Palmetto's oh, now. He, Mike he, Petro. He, uh, he, that name he, a long time. He's another. He's another. Uh, he's a retiree from training like me. But we were talking like about guy. how how oh great guy, really good guy. But we were talking about um, you know how, how we kind of miss like you just can't go to the races and just hang out and, and see races and and see the people. You know that are that are there and and uh, yeah, yeah and, and it's it's just not the same when you just can't when you can't go and and um, yeah you know I'm happy that we have it and, and certainly uh, I understand why that um, you know we can't have people or we can have limited amounts of people and this and that but there's that 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 element um, the human element the the camaraderie and and the hearing at a place like Saratoga hearing the crowd. Uh, roaring when the horses are coming down the stretch and uh, I'm sure the derby is going to be I mean that's the one thing that if you never get a chance to go to a derby you'll, you just won't understand is the noise and you just cannot uh, simulate 150,000 people screaming at the same time I mean it's like three football stadiums full of people not one you go to a football stadium and something happens and, and and the place you know goes crazy it's loud really yeah, loud multiply that by five right that, that, that's what you got right and, and, you know, and it's, it, it's it's crazy my my wife when, when i met her when we started dating she was working at a t as a teller at uh orlando highlight up in uh close to to sanford and actually longwood uh florida um and, you know, I used to go see her, I used to work and then go see her and play some races and, and kind of hang out. And, you know, we have so many stories. Like, we used to make, you know, make up nicknames for people that used to come in uh, because they were just dressed funny or they talked a certain way. And everybody used to, you know, kind of hang out with one another. There was, there was a, you know, the Jamaican section when those guys got loud, they, everybody was winning. And, you know, it was just a good time, you know, despite all the the craziness. And, and going there, you know, we got a lot of memories, you know, from us starting out uh, as a couple from being there. And, you know, they even deemed our kid 
<laughs> the highlight baby. Um, <laughs> so, you know, it's just it's just not the same. And that wasn't even that long ago. I mean, Sabrina's she's seven now. So, um, it's just crazy how things change and, and how quickly. You talk talk about some crazy people. I mean. I've, there's so many characters. I, there's a guy that used to be around Yonkers, Crazy Timmy. He was this French Canadian guy, and his eyes would roll in the back of his head. And, and and a friend of mine said, "You know what he's doing?" I said, "What?" He goes, "He's reading the script back there." <laughs> but he was an insane person, and, and but he was a good insane. You know, like uh, a guy named Neckbrace Bob. This guy named Rico, my friend Rico. He. he we were we were kids at the harness track, and he used to like scream at the drivers, every race, every race, and and um, you know the, it just was. Uh, I mean, what what's better than the YouTube videos of the guys watching the races? You watch the guys watching the races, and you know whipping their leg and <laughs> leaning and just like losing their freaking mind, and it's it's just. Uh, Fantastic. It, it it just is. It's 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 like that craziness. And, and when you're a kid, you're you're watching grown adults act like you know, <laughs> like maniacs. And and you know, it's the most fascinating thing because you know you're used to adults acting like you know kids acting like maniacs. But when you go to the racetrack and and these people are are, are whipping their leg and uh, every twenty minutes they're going. <laughs> you know, I mean, sometimes some uh, unsavory language was used, but. Um, it just was, uh, I mean, when I was a kid, I, I kind of, like, you know, I started working on the racetrack when I was 15. And, um, you know, I just had to sneak in. And uh, it's an adult world, but it's it's just, uh, you know, it's it's intoxicating in a way. And, and when you can't be there and you can't see those people, and those kind of people are dying off anyways as you go to the races and there's not that many guys and, I remember I, I was working for Tom Skiffington. We had a filly named Ja. She was, uh, um, um, I think she was a Shadwell horse. She was gray. And she was a two-year-old filly. And I, we first start was at Aqueduct. We were making a start and before she went down to, uh, to Florida. Well, Ja, for the Jamaicans, is God. Yep. So... We're walking her up, and this is some, you know, typical Thursday at Aqueduct. No no big deal, and not a huge crowd or anything. So we're walking up, and all of a sudden, like, 12 Jamaicans run down to the fence, and they're all yelling, Jaw, Jaw, Jaw. And I'm thinking, what the hell do these guys know about this horse, you know? <laughs> and I didn't know. It's like, man, yeah, man, Jaw, Jaw's God. Affiliate's God. I said, man, she don't run like God. I can tell you that. <laughs> well, that's how those guys, you know, when I was going to the highlight um, way back when, they put me on to Louis Saez when he was riding at Calder. They're like, this guy, he's phenomenal. And so many, I mean, so many good. Now, I mean, the, the guy couldn't lose at Calder at times. So many good riders started at Calder. Yeah, absolutely. Ibarcoa, um, Oh, uh, Ramon Dominguez, Jose, Le well, Jose Lascano started in New York, wound up at Calder, and then, then wound up right, going back. back. But um, the, yeah, a lot, a lot of really good, a lot of really good horses came from from Calder too over the years. It's 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 sad that it's become a kind of a punchline, but um, it's uh, it, it's just a, a, a just a different. 
a different world and and you know sometimes i guess the derby is kind of a a sentimental thing in that it's it's easy to recall it's like the super bowl you know you can recall the super bowls when you were a kid and and you can recall the derbies uh you might not remember a whole lot of you know, a whole lot else what happened that year but but you can remember who won the derby and and it just brings back a, a lot of memories every 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 year when uh you get to this this time well i should say this time of the year but usually we get to this time of the year we're we're getting ready for like the pennsylvania derby not the kentucky derby but uh it's it's still a derby and the undercard should be okay and and i know some people have kind of made the statement that they weren't that excited about it or and i get it you know it's it's not it's it's different it's certainly different but uh i also disagree completely with the people that think that uh winning a triple crown under these circumstances it's actually tougher it, 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 it's it's probably tougher i mean th look at some of the horses right our collectors is, is clearly the second uh, best horse in this race, right? He wouldn't be in the May Derby. He wouldn't have been in the May Derby. Um, it, it's it's tis tis the law would have, but quite a few of the contenders might not have been there. Um, I mean, certainly a thousand words was tailing off during that time. Um, uh, we could go through it and probably eliminate half the horses. And some of the, you know, there were some good horses that fell by the wayside, but that's what happens. And the Derby is always a, the Triple Crown is, is a, a survival of the fittest. And, and this year's challenges are a little different. But think of how long ago it seems that the Belmont was. I mean, the Belmont seems like it was forever ago. And, and, and the Preakness seems like it's a long, long ways off yet still. So... You know, it's it's not a, a perfect uh, situation, and I mean, for the good of horse racing, I, I think that I'd love to see Tis the Law win and go have have a shot to win the Triple Crown the same weekend that all the big Breeders' Cup preps are. I mean, that that'll be a great weekend, and and I know that I'm uh, adamantly one of these. Um, people who, who who appreciates the big days but also understands how much they take away from everything else but to have a big weekend in horse racing it, it's it's we need it and yes um it, it's uh, I, I hope that it all goes well this weekend and when the spotlight's on us and i know there's a lot of issues in louisville the city that have, are far bigger than horse racing and then um, uh, hopefully that, that everything goes off without a hitch, that there's no, you know, nothing no, crazy, no, nothing, no nothing crazy, outrageous. you know, like people run out and, on the track or, yeah, you know, nothing, nothing outrageous. nobody gets, uh, you know, hopefully everybody's safe and, and, and whatever happens, whatever protests happen, happen without, without incidents. Um, and people make their point and we're still, still able to get the race run without uh without incident as well um and it would be a great thing because i think a triple uh, i think the preakness without a triple crown contender this year would be very very much overlooked and yep. um I, I don't know what's going to happen with the phillies race i mean certainly 
they're the two the two main horses in that race uh, look like they 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 look like they're a good three or four or five lengths better than the rest of them. Uh, and maybe, you know, there's talk that one of them might take a shot at the Preakness. But then again, uh, you know, I, I, don't, I don't know what's going on, what their plans are with the Breeders' Cup, too. I mean, I, I don't know that the Preakness is a perfect prep for either of those two fillies if they were to win the Kentucky Oaks to, to be running um, in, in that and then going into the, the Distaff Um Unless Gamine were, were to change change course, well, she, if she were to change course and, and maybe head to the sprint, be in the sprint seven eighths. Sure. So, uh, I, I don't know. It's uh, that that'll be an intriguing race. It, it really, I haven't got a chance to really look at the undercard, the card Friday or, or the undercard races, but um, I mean, it should be good races. And uh, you know, it's closing week of Saratoga. We got Kentucky Downs on Monday. And, you know, there's there's plenty of time to talk about all the bad things and the negative things and all the crap that goes on in horse racing and the world in general. But uh, this week we're going to try to keep it light. And tomorrow we, we have a, a pretty good show. I got a couple phone calls out. I'm trying to work on people's schedules and times and stuff like that. Um, but I, I do have Bob Duncan, who was the starter in New York for a long time, and I'll talk to him about... Uh, then the new gate, he, he's got some experience with that new gate. Um, if they're going to use for the Derby, the 20 horse gate, and apparently it's not that um, it's not that conducive to have assistant starters in there. I, I believe that the assistant starters will be in there. They're just, it's just a little bit of a different uh, setup. And, and Bob will talk about that and, and, and kind of talk about, uh, you know, some misconceptions. I see guys on Twitter that think things happen at the gate that, they might be they, they might be giving the assistant starters a lot more credit for being um, shifty and, and uh, right calculated corrupt than they really should be giving them credit for and I, they also give them a lot more credit for being stronger than they are. <laughs> it's uh, but Bob will be on tomorrow and uh, Carrie Thomas and Pete Dank are going to be on and they haven't finished their study yet. Uh, completely, they're still working on it. Um, of the, you know, Carrie's uh, method of, of kind of looking at the horses from a mental aspect and how, how they how they handle um, horses in their space and, and things like that, which for a race like the Derby is is a, is a huge factor. And um, I'm gonna get a little bit of feeling about that. I mean, they 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 sell the their their. Uh, they have a rundown of the whole field that's for sale, so I'm not going to make them give us uh, all the uh, the uh, the horses, but, you know, just just kind of get to uh, explain what, what he does, why how he does it. And, and I've worked with Kerry before, and he's a very, very sharp guy. He's uh, he's an outsider in an industry that hates outsiders, and, and, and some of his... His stuff is, is a little hard to understand for people that are traditional. So, um, but he knows his stuff, and, and uh, he's uh, he's got he's got no uh, there's no angles. He's straightforward, and uh, what he says is what he believes. And we'll we'll get those guys to talk. Uh, Pete is a little bit more of a handicapper. We'll get his take on on uh, he's he's in Lexington, so um, we'll see what what uh, what he hears on the ground there. 
Uh, I got a call in to a couple clockers about a couple, about uh, some of the horses' works. Um, we have a call, couple called a couple trainers, and we're just trying to schedule, uh, get everybody's timing down, which is always the most difficult part. Uh, having a live show is, is making sure that people are there and, or can, can, you know, can be available. So. All right. Sounds like a great week, my man. So that should be interesting tomorrow. And, uh, um, maybe, uh, maybe we'll even do a quick little mini show, uh, later in the week once the fields have been drawn and, uh, kind of go over betting strategies, what you think, um, what you think of the card and uh, after you get a chance to, to digest it a little bit and uh, you know you never Sounds know like a plan, my this is uh, this is good attitude derby week alright that's what I like to hear next week I'm gonna be uh, <laughs> I'm gonna be cussing everybody but this week we're gonna be uh, we're gonna be positive cuss free. yes cuss free Yes, and and like I said, we're we're gonna have some advertising coming up. We have a sponsor that uh, signed on, and I, I was really hesitant to sign on with any sponsors before we got the show established. Before we could figure out how many people would listen, um, if we had an audience, it, I didn't want to uh, uh, to take anybody's money. And and the other thing is that I think sometimes. Uh, people are affected, of course, by advertising dollars, sponsorships, and uh, the only sponsors that we're going to take are people that uh, they're not going to have an effect on, on what we say about things. They're just going to be, you know, industry, um, uh, you know, products, things like that 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 are that don't take stances on issues. So. So we're gonna be Casey's gonna help me do some uh, some ads and uh, and uh, you know the next couple of weeks will be interesting. So, all right. Thank you for your your time as always and uh, our our short show turned into a close to two hour show. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, thank you, Barry, and uh, I hope the week goes good. I hope that you get no more demolition derbies out in front of your house. I hope your internet stays stays on, so so Breezy can keep going to school, and uh, yeah. we'll just carry on. All right, my brothers. It, was, right. it was always a pleasure. Thanks, Barry. Appreciate it. Uh, Barry Spears breaking down the derby, and I think we'll do a, a show later this week. I'll get a couple guys that know how to handicap and know how to bet. Not me. You don't want my selections, but. Um, yeah, we'll probably do something Thursday. Make it. We won't make it long. Just kind of quickly go over the cards, betting opportunities. Maybe pick four, pick five strategies. Maybe super effective derby, super effective strategies, things like that. But uh, I appreciate everyone listening. And um, this is Derby Week, so let's try to keep it positive. Thank you. And good night.